0: världens bästa Carlson. 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 Hoy här kommer Carlson. 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 Ingen faktiskt ingen annan Carlson spelar så bra som mig. Carlson. Carlson. Carlson scores. Carlson. It's just about time to reactivate Mark andre Fleury. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two people who own Eric Carlson in at least one pool. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me is the fantasy hockey robot himself, Brian
1: Kong. Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. You heard right. Eric Carlson is now owned by each one of us. We're getting closer and closer on the path, getting back to the path of our podcast namesake. But who else is worth owning? Let's talk about it this week, Elon, on another jam-packed episode of the Keepin' Carlson podcast.
0: Yes, I am excited for this week's show. I wrote a big, you know its fun, Brian? Because I like do my prep for the show and I list out all the questions I want to ask. And then I get very curious, like what are your answers going to be for all of my questions? Luckily for me and the listeners, we don't have to wait much longer. But before we get into it, let's of course mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com. How do we land that? How do we get presented by the best fantasy hockey website out there? Lucky us, and lucky for all of us for having this site in existence. They have articles every day, rankings of players. You've got your daily ramblings, of course, and then a bunch of tools on frozen pools, including line combinations, which I'm going to, of course, reference all throughout the show, starting goalies over goalie posts. It's the best. Check it out, dauberhockey.com. Brian, let's get started with injuries. The first fantasy hockey headline of the week. We've got a few of them. Last week, if you recall, we had like a bunch of goalie injuries that we went through. And actually, a lot of those goalies might be coming back soon, which is nice. But we've got one more goalie injury to tack on, hopefully the last one for a while. But here's another... Big name goalie starter that's going to be out for a while. Roberto Luongo suffered a lower body injury on Monday and had to be helped off the ice in a game against the Islanders. It's a real bummer for Luongo and his owners as he's been having a terrific season. 9.28 save percentage in 15 games. Only six wins, unfortunately. And it's not like the Panthers can't score goals. So maybe it's been some bad luck or maybe just a lot of shots against. But a great save percentage, not many wins. Either way, it really sucks because Coach Bob Budner said that he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Here's a quote. Whether that's three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, we're going to have to see how his rehab goes, that kind of thing. He'll definitely be out a while. So not good. And Brian, you know what that means? It's rhyme time. James Reimer is back in the net. And that's kind of a scary proposition right now because he kind of sucks. He let in three goals on 19 shots in relief on Monday, let in four on 39 in the 6-4 win over Winnipeg on Thursday, then Five goals against on 28 shots in the 7-3 loss to Colorado yesterday. So Reimer coming in as the starter, it hasn't gone well. If you recall last year, Luongo got injured. James Reimer was pretty decent. This year, he's been, like, horrible. Just overall, he has an 888 save percentage in 16 games, which, of course, makes it an interesting question of whether people should add him or not. On one hand, Luongo's going to be gone a while, florida's not like a terrible terrible team you'd think you'd want to have the starting goalie on the other hand if you're gonna play a goalie that's gonna have a sub 900 save percentage every game that's not gonna help you but like reimer hasn't always been this bad last year he had a 920 save percentage the year before 922 when he split the year between toronto and san jose so which is the real james reimer like and brian like how confident are you in him being able to settle down and get back to at least above 900 maybe even start approaching his numbers from last year
1: well, first off, I, I think I take issue with you saying the Florida Panthers are not so bad. They currently rank 27th in the league with 26 points in 29 games. And they're in a bit of injury trouble, which we'll get to outside of the crease. But first, yeah, the injury to Roberto Luongo did not look good. If you saw it live or like the GIF or whatever, uh, nobody watches it live. I should know from by now, Elon. Uh So if you saw the GIF, at your convenience, at your leisure, you saw that instantly something could be wrong. And so far, yeah, we don't know when he's going to come back. And Rhyme Time, well, it should be Rhyme Time, but has not been that time quite yet. We've had Jekyll and Hyde from James Reimer for quite a while now. Sure, he was a 920 goalie last year, but Reimer did that while being terribly unreliable. Fewer than half of his starts qualified as quality starts. And that's a weird thing. To be an above league average goalie, but one who can't put up more than half of their starts as quality numbers. For context, since the last lockout, only three other NHL goalies have put up a 920 save percentage or better while starting 30 or more games and having fewer than 50% quality starts. The others were Andre Pavlik, Craig Anderson, and New York Ranger Cam Talbot. Those all took place in 2014 15. So it is a rarity for this sort of inconsistency to be coming from a goalie who is putting up actually good numbers. Uh, Reimer is of course seeing a lot less of that up and down action this year because, well, he's just staying down. There hasn't been a whole lot of up. He's second last among starters and even strength goals saved above average per 60 minutes ahead of only Craig Anderson. Look, when James Reimer was acquired by Florida, I thought it was great for them, great for him, and I long felt that he had solid starter upside since his start turn with Toronto back in the lockout-shortened 2012-13 season. But based on what we've seen lately from Reimer and the Panthers, I'm not that into him. I'm not that into the team, and so I'm not very confident in giving him starts. Get him in there if you need starts. Otherwise, well, start start at your own risk.
0: Okay, well, we're going to get to another goalie who might be in free agency. Let's see if people can guess listen, listening now who might be available in free agency that I might like better than James Reimer moving forward, not only for, you know, a better numbers, but also for starts. But uh, that'll be a little tease. But basically, you're saying, Brian, you could add him, but you'll be nervous when you do. Florida play, plays four games next week, including Detroit on Monday. So that might be a nice way for Reimer to get eased into the week. And then we'll have to go from there and see how he does. I'd imagine if Reimer continues to struggle, the new backup, Harry Sateri, We'll get in the net at some point. Is he any good? Who's
1: that guy? Harry Sateri, aside from having one of the greatest names in hockey, is a fourth-round pick of San Jose back in 2008. He put up not very good numbers in their farm system for three years before crossing the pond and heading over to the KHL, where Sateri put up a 929 over the last two seasons but the finish keeper still has not figured out the AHL, has a 9.06 save percentage in 12 appearances with AHL Springfield so far this year. Though, to be fair to him, none of the team's other two goalies who have seen time have fared well either. Here's the thing, though. I think Sateri has to get a crack if Reimer keeps showing all hide and no Jekyll, but I'm not so sure he's capable of taking sustained advantage. So I, I don't think he's someone you need to add, and you're seeing Reimer struggling oh they got to go to their third stringer I don't think they're going to turn to him for that long or that quickly
0: okay so maybe that's one good thing for if you add james reimer you don't have to be super worried that he's going to get pushed behind by the backup it looks like it's reimer's net love it or hate it if you're a panthers fan harry satary is not going to be the guy to steal it oh, of course who knows we'll have to wait and see how he does once he gets into the net for a game okay the panthers like you said they're really hurting now Dadanov is out though he did actually skate on saturday apparently he'll be back sooner than expected that's the latest i've read on roto world and Alex Barkov went down, got injured while we were recording our patron cast on Thursday. You could definitely tell there's a shift in the tone of my voice partway through the patron cast when we learned that Barkov was injured. He's, of course, a core piece of my Cuban Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League team. But okay, enough about that. It looks like Barkov might be fine. He might even be back by next week. So few, but it's interesting to see. The top line yesterday was Trocek, Huberdeau, and Nick Bjogstad. And then there was Jared McCann and Dennis Malgin both getting some power play time with Trocek, Huberdeau, Yandel, and Ekblad. So yeah, like we mentioned Byungstad as someone who was going to be getting on the top line with Barkov and Hubert in the last episode. And we thought that might be someone good to add. And even look, he was going to be on the top power play. He's still on the top line, but it looks like he didn't get that top power play time. So kind of a bust for Nick Byungstad. Brian, are any of these Florida forwards jumping out as you as someone to add right now until the team is healed? Like Byungstad on line one, Jared McCann, Dennis Malgan getting some power play time.
1: You know, I can't say I want anyone... In Florida, other than Huberto and Trocek up front, I'm happy with the shot rates over the last few games of riding Verbata, Nick Bugstad, and Jared McCann. Uh, so maybe them, if you're looking, like desperate to add a Florida Panther, I'm not buying too high on Dennis Malkin's three goals on his last six shots. I think Florida just needs to hope for Barkov to get back soon. In the meantime, I'm really not sure what sort of offense they're going to be able to cobble together.
0: Okay, and then on defense, though, like I said, Yandel and Ekblad, both on the top power play, Yandel's actually on a nice run right now. He had three assists, two power play on Monday versus the Islanders, one power play assist versus Winnipeg, and then two assists yesterday versus Colorado. So that's six assists in his last three games and 11 shots to go along with them in just three games. That's really good. Yandel was slumping early on and may have been dropped in a lot of shallower leagues. With this run he's on, he's up to 19 points in 29 games, which is a 54-point pace, a lot higher than we would have expected him to do at the start of the year. Brian, do you expect this pace to keep up or do you fear that Yandel's going to go cold
1: again? He may be available in some leagues. He might have been dropped during his cold streak earlier on some context for Keith Yandel 23 games into the year he had but three power play points now he's added four to that total in his last six games for seven on the year which actually puts him about on pace for what you would expect from the Florida Panthers power play quarterback he's on a nice run for sure he also has three or more shots in six of his last eight games in Yandel's first 21 games he'd only done that like a few times so that's a really good look for him I think, again, it's going to be hard for Florida to get scoring with Barkov and Dadunov out. So keep that in mind. And we have also seen plenty of cold from Keith Yandel over the last few seasons. Ever since leaving the Coyotes, he's has not been the most reliable player. But all that said, the way things are looking, I actually do think Yandel can still manage about 50-point pace the rest of the way when things are going well with Florida. It feels like a stretch when I come out and actually say it, but the numbers support it or at least the numbers I'm looking at and the way I'm looking at them. Someone else proved me wrong. Cause it still feels weird. Okay.
0: Well, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously if you're in a bangers and mash league, he's a bit hard to hold. in one of your D spots where normally you're getting help in hits and blocks, he's not going to help you there, but at least if you get some shots on goal, that'd be nice to go along with a 50 point pace. Okay, Brian next injury. Let's go to Vancouver. Bo Horvat has a fractured ankle. He's weak to weak. He could be out a while too bad like he'd been having a really decent season 20 points in 28 games that's a 59 point pace was likely going to beat his career high of 52 points from last year so that kind of sucks i hate it when i see a player really breaking out and then just having it short and now he's for sure he's not going to break beat his 52 points from last year maybe he'll beat the pace anyway the canucks now they've been trying out some different line mates for Horvath's superstar line mate brock besser yesterday in the 4-2 loss to calgary they tried a bunch of different things there was some time of besser with Berchi and Gagne. some besser with Gagne and marcus grand uh besser Gagne, and brandon gauntz uh, so i don't know if we even need to talk about him marcus granland by the way has taken horvat's spot on the top power play with besser the Sadines, and edler he actually had a power play assist yesterday on a brock besser goal so i guess is marcus granland the player that benefits the most from horvat being injured or maybe Gagne playing with besser like would you be adding either of these guys marcus granland or sam Gagne?
1: Well first up before I answer your question I did want to just rewind back to Florida for a minute and talk about Aaron Eckblad doing pretty well he has 15 shots in his last three games he scored a goal in each of those games one of them on the power play he had' an assist before that so he had actually gone quite cold for a very long time I'm not even going to count up those games but he's currently on a four game point streak. Just, uh, you know, when, when we talk about Yandel, people are probably wondering, well, how's Ekblad? Where does he fit into the picture? Still, I think Yandel is going to be the primary point producer from the Blue Line. Okay, going back to your question about Marcus Granland, Sam Gagne, do they benefit from Horvat being injured? I don't think either Granland or Gagne step into Horvat's production just because they step into Horvat's role. I think what I'm going to do is just keep an eye on them. It never hurts to add a top power play guy when you can, though, so consider. Grenland if you're if you have a dearth of guys in good deployment situations but aside from that I'm not rushing to to grab either of the two
0: Okay, well, we're throwing the names out there for you, the listeners. You could always take a look yourself. Like, it's not as if this top power play is so amazing. Like, it, it gets hurt by Bo Horvat being out. Like, I wonder if someone like Brock Besser, should we be worried about him losing Horvat for an extended period of time? Like, so far, Besser seems fine. He has goals in his last two games. He's has got the 27 points in 27 games overall. Like, he's having an amazing rookie season for sure. In fact, Brian, last year, Austin Matthews had 40 goals and 69 points, and Brock Besser's ahead of both of those paces right now so I'm curious to know not only are you concerned about Brock Besser in terms of Horvat being injured but also on the other side what do you think the chances are that Besser could beat Austin Matthews's rookie season from last year
1: well if you picture Brock Besser and Austin Matthews in a Mario Kart time trial race where where you have Austin Matthews as the ghost racer and Brock Besser is the actual he is ahead of him at the moment not just in pace but in actual Production. Uh, he is ahead of where Austin Matthews was after 27 games last year. Last year, Austin Matthews at that mark had 12 goals and eight assists for 20 points with 97 shots, averaging almost 17 and a half minutes of ice per game. Well, Besser has 15 goals, 12 assists for 27 points, but 74 shots on goals. So that's 20 fewer than Matthews did after 27 games. And uh, Besser's also playing about 80 seconds less per game on average than Matthews was seeing through 27 last year. Thing with Besser, though, is he's got regression coming in all three of the numbers I look to. Uh, that means uh, the, the, the racers, uh, I guess in time trial, there are no other racers. I was going to really try and push forward with Mario Kart. If Besser was in first in the Mario Kart race, the racers behind him would be getting all kinds of red and spiky shells <laughs> because the three numbers, uh, individual shooting percentage, on-ice shooting percentage, and IPP, they're all high for Brock Besser. So those will knock him off his point per game pace once they regress and maybe down or below what Matthews has managed. So let's not get too pumped up yet because Brock Besser can't, at least I don't think he can, continue converting on one in five of his shots. That would make him an extraordinarily special rookie. But if we do still give Brock Besser the benefit of the doubt and call him a high-end shooter in the NHL, he could conceivably get to 34 goals with his present shot rates and still be able to outpoint Austin Matthews Uh, Going back to the 34 goals number, though, I'm going to take the under on that one, if you ask me the rest of the way okay so it sounds to
0: me like you're saying to try to sell high on Brock Besser if you're saying he's already producing it at, a, at an unsustainable pace and now Bo Horvat is injured and I, you've got to think Horvat is a big part of Besser like he's scoring all these goals Horvat is dishing it to him getting all those great assists I don't know if Sam Gagne is as good so yeah maybe check to see what you can get for Brock Besser right now you might be able to pull someone like elite like I don't know look really high like a Huber Doe or a Jamie Ben. like I don't know see what you can get for Brock Besser see if you could really steal a guy who was drafted in the first couple of rounds of your of your League. Okay, Brian, also on Vancouver. Last week we pumped up Louis Erickson, and Alex Edler, as they both were doing really well. Edler was on the top power play. Erickson playing with sadines Unfortunately, if people listen to us, they probably hate us right now. They might not even be listening to this episode because both those guys went pointless this past week. No points in three games. Do you think people should still hang on to them if they added them? Like it's a bummer that they cooled off, but they're still in the same situations. And Vancouver has a really nice schedule next week. They play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. And this is a week where the schedule is really jam packed on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So you're 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 going to get games out of these Canucks. The question is, are they going to do anything for you?
1: Yeah, that is the question. They haven't done anything for you lately. If you've added them, I had Louis Erickson in the cupful. I dropped him today. I streamed him out for some help on the last day of the week. The friendly Vancouver schedule would be the primary reason to hang on to Louis Erickson or Alex Edler or make an early play for Gagne or Granlund. Erickson and Edler specifically, and I guess the whole group, maybe they get better deployment than some of your other bottom roster or underperforming pieces. In that case, go ahead and add them for the good schedule. Otherwise, just keep watching because they'll have to show a little something for me to get really into adding them. Edler could theoretically, though, like him him especially, he could have better deployment than your number four, five, six defenseman, depending on how deep your league is. So still consider him, even though there hasn't been anything recently from him.
0: Yeah, we always have to remember when we're playing fantasy hockey, like you can't just look at the last three days and then make that like your primary decision maker for the future. Like Edler was in a good situation last week. I feel like, you know, his chances of getting a point tomorrow were almost like I was about to say just as good as his point, his chances to get a point like the first game of last week. Maybe Horvat being injured decreases that somewhat, but he's still in a good situation. So yeah, I wouldn't like totally drop him if you were excited to add him to your roster before. Still helps with some like shots and blocks. Okay, next injury, Jaden Schwartz. He sustained an ankle injury yesterday versus Detroit and word is he'll be gone for a while this sucks like last week we had a bunch of injuries but none of them were super long term that I can recall now we've got Horvat Luongo now Jaden Schwartz all going to be gone for a while Schwartz he's not even going to be reevaluated until six weeks from now so who knows how long he'll actually be out this is another huge bummer a worse bummer than Bo Horvat because Schwartz was having an, an amazing amazing season 35 points in 30 games so far so that's a huge loss to his owners you're not gonna be able to replace him huge loss for the blues of course of course so this opens up a spot on the top line and the top power play in st louis so we definitely have to dig in here and see if there's anyone worth adding now that Jaden schwartz is going to be out long term the lines had already kind of been in flux like tarasenko actually got bumped from the top line or maybe you could say that stasny and sabatka got promoted to the top line to play with tarasenko depending how you want to look at it but it looks like it was schwartz with Alex Steen and Braden Shen playing on that first line now with Schwartz out. It looks like Dimitri Yaskin got bumped up to play with Shen and Steen after the injury. Tarasenko stuck with Stasny and Sabatka. Yesterday, it was Paul Stasny who got promoted to the top power play in Jaden Schwartz's spot. So that's really good for Paul Stasny, who's already playing with Tarasenko. So last week, I think we were saying maybe it's time to finally let go of Stasny, but maybe hold on because he's playing with Tarasenko. Now, if he's going to be on the top power play as well, I'm not even going to ask you, Brian. I'm going to say, like, probably you want to hang on to Paul Stasny at this point or stream them in if you can. So, Brian, I'm going to name some other blues for you and tell you a little bit about them, and then I'll be curious at the end to know which of these guys do you think have potential, and they might be... These are all people who I think might be in free agency, and people might be wondering if you think they should add it. So I already talked about Paul Stasny. He's cooled off, but if he's going to be playing with Tarasenko on all the top power play, I think he's good. You got Vladimir Sabatka, also playing with Tarasenko in even strength, and he's been on a nice run with one goal and five assists in his last seven games, 21 shots in that span. Also, Sabatka's been getting huge minutes, so you know that's obviously not going to decrease now that uh main top six guy is injured for a while then we have the aforementioned dimitri yaskin who like was promoted to the top six during the last game we'll see if he gets to stay there moving forward he'd already been on a bit of a run he's currently riding a three-game point streak even with super low minutes which could increase like those minutes could increase so this could be good news for dimitri yaskin if he could stay playing with the red hot brayden shen and the not so stinky Alex Stein, I guess let's give him some credit okay then we have Patrick Berglund who actually recently returned after missing the start of the season with a shoulder injury Berglund has three points in six games so far 17 shots currently like as of the last game he was on line three and the second power play but I could see him potentially bumping Dmitry Yaskin like I'm not sure about the positions like he's a center but there might be a spot for him in the top six at some point and then one more guy there's Ivan Barbashev who was just called up so maybe he gets into the top six So I just mentioned a bunch of guys for you, like Sabatka, Yaskin, Berglund, and Barbashev. Are any of these names jumping out at you as people that are on your radar now that Jaden Schwartz is injured?
1: First off, what a bummer for Jaden Schwartz having a crazy good season. And we've seen him be derailed by an injury before. So it's a real, like you said, it's a bummer to see it happen again. As for all the other St. Louis forwards you mentioned, I can't say there's one that really stands out going through them quickly. I mean, Dimitri Yaskin is the guy who we always say has a shot to produce with opportunity. So there's that for him, even though we've seen him get that opportunity and not do it before. Patrick Berglund, he came back strong from an injury, 14 shots in his first three games back, but followed that up by going shotless in two of his next three outings. He had three shots in the other one. So he's got, uh, he's averaging one shot per game in his last three. And then you have Barbashev, who's never been a big scorer in the AHL. He's continued that trend this year with four goals and four assists and eight points in 18 games to date. Sobotka is probably the guy I like the most of the group. As you said, he's on a nice run, has good minutes. He's playing with Tarasenko. And clearly, I'm not really convinced by anyone else. There is, of course, Paul Stasny, who is always worth a look but Sabatka is the guy whose short-term outlook changes the most here with Schwartz's injury.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that's true. I don't think you think that's true. Like someone else is probably going to change as well. Like someone's going to be playing with Shen and Alex Dean, but at this point it's saying like, you're not thinking that you're going to jump on anyone just yet, but, Add all these guys to your watch list, I think. Let's pay attention to St. Louis, and we'll have to trust the listeners to jump on a guy if he's getting consistent time with really good linemates in the top six. Uh, also in St. Louis, Carter Hutton is on the IR with a lower body injury. So the St. Louis team has had to call up Billy huso who i'd never heard of that's their backup now they have a back to back over the next weekend both games versus winnipeg so maybe Billy huso will get into a game if carter hutton is not back by that time brian do you know anything about Billy huso is he someone that you would trust to start or is that going to be a disaster
1: Billy huso would i trust him to start I don't know. I know very little about the guy. Here's what I do know: He is an early fourth round pick of Saint Louis back in 2014. Who uh, started last year in the ECHL, played his way into the HL, where he put up a 9.20 save percentage over 22 starts, uh, just an 8.96 goal in eight appearances so far this year. But it doesn't really matter because Jake Allen is clearly the guy in Saint Louis. Although, try this on for size. I want everyone to play along. I'm going to tell you. Come up with a number. For Jake Allen's save percentage this year, just have it in your head. I'll give you like three seconds. Jeopardy music isn't going to actually play. So I'm um, now I'm gonna tell you that his save percentage is 912 on the season. And I bet you spotted him at least five more save percentage points than he deserves. Am I right, Elon? Yeah, I thought
0: it was higher. Like obviously, since you asked the question, <laughs> you had to account for that. But I feel like is it due to a slow start? Like, how's he been doing lately?
1: So Lately, well, I'll, I'll go how his numbers came about, how he's in 912 now. He fell badly off his huge start this year. He had a real rough run through most of November that bled into December. He had a real rough run through most of November when he posted an 887 over 12 games. The thing is, few of us even noticed because the guys ahead of him scored so much. Allen only lost three times in regulation with an 887 save percentage over 12 games. He had seven wins with those awful numbers. Anyway, Jake Allen is currently back on the upswing. He's stopped 57 of the last 58 shots he's faced over the last two games and is unlikely to be spelled for more than a game at a time by Vili Huso, who probably has a slightly better shot than Harry Sateri at putting up a decent start. And what he does have above Sateri is he's got a good team in front of him that won an 887 goalie seven games. So if they can win Jake Allen games when he plays poorly, then there's a decent shot they can do the same for Huso.
0: Yeah, so he might be a good guy to watch for a spot start later on in the week. And Jake Allen, definitely don't think of him as a 9-12 goalie if you're considering trades or anything like that. I think we all are pretty confident that Allen is going to be at least league average. He's been pretty good lately. And I'm not even done with injuries on St. Louis. Apparently Alex Petrangelo took a puck off his foot yesterday. He's not playing today. Actually, the game's already started. St. Louis is winning 1-0 against Buffalo. Oh, Braden Shen scored. Assisted by Joel Edmondson and Alex Steen. So there you go. Some up-to-the-minute news here. But yeah, Petrangelo's injured. Definitely grab Pareko for however long Petrangelo is out if you can. I think that's obvious. Preko is already doing great. He has 11 points in his last 12 games. Five of those points have actually come on the power play, even though he's been on the second power play unit, which is obviously great for him. Maybe one day he'll prove me wrong and steal the job from Petrangelo. But definitely right now, while Petrangelo's injured, you got to grab Colton if it's like super shallow league and he's available somehow. Okay, Brian, next injury. The Pittsburgh Penguins are a bit banged up right now justin schultz has a lower body injury could be out for a couple of weeks doesn't seem to me like anyone really benefits here, aside from Latang having less competition in the short term. Didn't seem like Justin Schultz was providing much competition anyways. Uh, Oli Mata has already been seeing consistent second power play time, and he'll probably continue to do so, but he's not doing anything with it. Like, I don't think he's worth adding if he wasn't before. By the way, Ryan, Chris Latang, he has six points in his last four games. He's up to 24 points in 31 games on the season. That's a 63-point pace. That ties Latang for second in defenseman points with Doughty and Letty. John Klingberg, by the way, is in first. I'll bet you wouldn't have guessed that Latang, Klingberg, Drew Doughty, and Nick Letty would be leading defensemen in points at this point in the season. That's interesting. Now, I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm just going to remind the listeners that we did say at the start of the season, we, someone asked us about if they should trade Chris Latang, and it wasn't like the greatest return. And I recall saying, don't trade him now. Wait until he goes on a really good run to start the year. And then if you're nervous about his you know, injury potential, then mm. maybe trade him once he's doing well. So, I don't know if you should do that. I don't know what's going to happen. All I'm saying is Chris Latang is looking really, really good right now. And he's healthy. And I'll bet a lot of people would be happy to add him to their teams.
1: In the interest of no jinxes, that concludes our Chris Latang talk for this episode.
0: Okay. And then another injury. Patrick Hornfist got hit in the face with a puck yesterday. And he left the game. No word yet on the severity of the injury. Hopefully he's not out long. I really depend on him in my shallow bangers and mash league. And I hope that he'll be fine, but also I hope he'll be fine because I'm sure he's a really nice guy and I want him to be okay. That must hurt getting hit in the face with a puck. Damn. Got to wear one of those masks or something. Anyways, looks like Jake Gensel jumped on the top power play when Hornfist went out. So we'll have to wait and see who ends up taking Hornfist's spot on the first line with Crosby. If he happens to be out long-term someone named uh, Dominic Simon or is it Simon Dominic?
1: Dominic Simon.
0: Okay, that's always fun when someone has two first names. Okay, someone named Dominic Simon played with Crosby and Gensel for a bit of yesterday's game. It was his first game of the season, and he put up two assists. So, Brian, who's Dominic Simon, and should people jump on him if he's announced to be on line one for Monday's game as well?
1: Dominic Simon is an undersized 21-year-old winger picked in the fifth round by Pittsburgh in 2015. In addition to having two first names, the Czech winger currently ranks second in scoring for the Baby Pens with three goals and three assists and 16 points in 20 games behind only Daniel Sprong, who has just one first name, but also one sound effect. And should anyone add Dominic Simon if he's on the first line in Pittsburgh? Uh, the answer to this question is, as it has been forever, sure, may as well give it a shot.
0: Okay, but you're not especially excited about him, it doesn't sound like.
1: No, like it's, it's as excited as I would be about Brian Rust on the first line.
0: Okay, why? A lot of people were adding Ryan Russman who's on the first line. So definitely keep him in mind. Let's hope that Hornquist is just back. But if not, pay attention. If Dominic Simon is there, he had a good game. The last game, so I'm sure he'll be back on the top line if Hornquist is out. Okay, seems like perhaps we got too excited about Tristan Jari having two good games against Buffalo last week. Here's another. This is like our apology episode, I think, because we recommended those Vancouver guys. We also said many times throughout the show, you need to go and add Tristan Jari. And what did he do for the people who picked him up after listening to us? He really, stunk the, he really stunk this week. He he had three straight sub-900 save percentage games. He was pulled for Casey DeSmith after letting in three goals in the first period yesterday versus Toronto. At this point, apparently Matt Murray is making good progress and he skated with his teammates on Saturday so he could be back soon. Should Jari owners at this point just like cut bait, not even worry about him? Start Like, you know, let's say you have another player in free agency that you're excited to add but you don't have anyone to drop. Can you just like drop, you know, Tristan Jari at this point? Maybe you lose a game or two, but clearly he's not doing that well anyways.
1: I don't... I don't know, Elon. That obviously needs a lot of context. If you're desperate for starts, I would not drop him. If there's a big bonus for wins in your league, I would not drop him. Um, if, you, if he's like your fourth goalie and there's other guys available or like you could do more with a skater in case he doesn't start, then drop. Like, this is a very league-specific question. Uh, just to, to complete the other half of the current Cree situation in Pittsburgh, after Jari was pulled, Casey DeSmith only saw nine shots Over 38 minutes of ice time, which is unfortunate because we didn't see much of him get tested. He did let one of those nine shots get past him. um, And yeah, the starter is unknown for the next game. So keep an eye on it, I guess. Okay. I
0: actually dropped Tristan Jari in my shallow league. I had added him as soon as the injury to Matt Murray happened. I actually had anti-ranta on my ir i just added ranta when he was already ir eligible i like added him just to stash him and now i decided ah, i'm just gonna put I- anti-ranta back on my team he's he had a good game we'll get to him actually in the outjury section okay we're still on the injury section and brian how about before we finish the injury section why don't we just take a quick break and take a second to thank our sponsor for this week's episode and those are our friends over at fanduel FanDuel is so fun. It's daily fantasy hockey, and it's a great way to build a new team every single day. You don't have to worry about if you listen to us and added Edler and Ericsson and, like, blew your week. Like, forget those guys. Or now buy them for cheap on a day on FanDuel because probably their price has gone down. Because, by the way, how, how it works, you got a budget. You got to build your team based on your budget. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun trying to pick those, like, you know, it's, it's kind of like you, you take your Kucherov or your Crosby or whatever, and then you have to find these budget guys to fill out the rest of your roster. I really enjoy this. New contest starting every day. You play whenever you want. Something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from. Starting at just $1. Just pick a contest. Choose your team. Watch your score real time. We have our Keeping Carlson Fan Duel League running every Tuesday, and I kind of suck. So this is, again, my week of admitting that I suck about everything, I guess. I did really badly last week. Brian did great. I came in what, like 21st out of 25th? Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, you really blew it. I was up there in third. I don't even know where you were. Congratulations <laughs> to NHL 94 Rooks, which like, I don't know if NHL 94 rules was taken or was just a really careless typo, uh, but you snuck snuck the win uh, from, well, I guess I wasn't that close. So congratulations <laughs> to you. I will get you next time. Elon, you- how do people get in there? How do they join?
0: You go to com slash Carl, I was going to point out that the way I built my team last week was I decided I was going to take only players who we discussed on the previous episode. That just goes to show how good our advice was from the previous episode. <laughs>
1: well, you, but the the thing was, players we discussed, not necessarily like that's hot and cold guys. My team faltered because I, I invested heavily in Pierre-Luc Dubois and Artemi Panarin. I thought they'd score a few more goals or be in on more goals against Columbus. Bummer. Yeah.
0: Tristan in Jari who lost to Rangers anyways okay good job to NHL 94 Rooks join us you know Monday night it's gonna open the contest is gonna open you just go to fanduel.com slash karl and also you even get some other bonus thing when you sign up for FanDuel Brian why don't you tell our listeners about that
1: elon still doesn't know what this is but you do now new users uh, of fanduel get free entry into the nhl breakaway with thousands of dollars in cash prizes guaranteed to pay out when you make your first deposit on fanduel just visit fanduel.com and sign up with the promo code carl that's fanduel.com promo code k-a-r-l void where prohibited
0: Okay, let's go to our next injury. TJ Oshie has an upper body injury. He won't play tomorrow for sure. That's been announced. We don't know beyond that. Interestingly, Andre Burakovsky recently returned from his injury, but he didn't take Oshie's spot in the top six in his first game back on Friday. The lines in the 4-2 win over the Rangers were Ovechkin, Backstrom, and Tom Wilson, and then Kuznetsov with Verona and Alex Chiasson. Burakovsky couldn't bump Chiasson then it was like Connolly, eller and burakovsky on line three so burakovsky continues to be the snoozer that he was before he got injured obviously no one has him if you stashed him in ir don't drop someone to bring him in if he's going to be in the bottom six brett Connolly actually took oshi's spot on the top power play and he's definitely been enjoying this role he has three goals in his last four games two of them on the power play another person who's really enjoying their new role is tom wilson who put up an assist on Monday versus San Jose, had a two-goal and two-assist game on Wednesday versus Chicago, and he had a goal and an assist Friday versus the Rangers, and that was along with six hits in that game. So Tom Wilson filling your stat sheet obviously playing with alex ovechkin and nick backstrom is really good like ovechkin by the way he's been tearing it up lately he has eight goals and five assists in his last eight games backstrom has two goals and eight assists in his last eight games and obviously tom wilson is riding right along with them brian is tom wilson like an obvious ad especially in a hits league for as long as he's on this top line and like Uh even without
1: hit what right away you're saying now well, like, I just, like, we're we're revisiting this. Even without hits, I'll finish your question, where do I like him, right? Is that where you're going? Well, I'm going to say, even
0: without hits, how would you rank, like, Wilson, Connolly, uh, like, Verana? You know, these, like, guys on the Washington Capitals that aren't Ovechkin, Backstrom, and Kuznetsov. Like, who do you like next? Sounds like you're saying you don't like Tom Wilson. He's killing it right now.
1: Well, here's the thing with Tom Wilson, is that, yeah, he's back on the top line, and he's done this before. He's had little, like, wonderful bursts, there before where I'm like ah you might as well try him out and I'm still saying that but the truth is that Tom Wilson is not a very good hockey player and has very little business being up on that top line for as long as he is though how can you resist Uh, the other guys aren't doing much themselves and aren't in positions in the lineup to do much of anything either so in their current roles I'd probably just stick with Tom Wilson for as long as he's up there who has the best upside of the group You know, if they all had the exact same role or similar roles, I would still uh, I guess I'm still holding a candle for Burakovsky at this point. He let a lot of people down going into this season. This is a good chance for kind of a fresh start. So we'll see what he can give us in his first five, seven games back. Then I'll have Verana, then Connolly and then Wilson at the bottom of the group. Wow.
0: Okay. But as far as who to add now, I would say I would flip it. Like I'd want Tom Wilson playing with Ovechkin and Backstrom, or I'd want Brett Connolly playing on the top power play. Those are the two guys I'd be streaming in for next week.
1: I agree. Based on their current roles, I'm with you. Okay. And then let's go to the D
0: on Washington they're all doing well John Carlson four assists in his last four games I guess they're not all doing well all the ones I'm going to talk about are doing well so yeah John Carlson's still rolling he also had seven shots on Friday versus the Rangers he's great he's not available don't worry about him okay but I think people need to not overlook Matt Niskanen who's been really great himself he has a goal and four assists in his last seven games he's also taken two to four shots in most of these games he's also you know putting up a couple of blocks i've been surprised to see him in free agency in so many leagues i feel like last year it was very rare to see matt niskanen dropped in a league this year i saw him in my cupful division kind of wish i added him i don't know i have a lot of defensemen but brian in our joint league we added him recently and he's been doing really well for us we get extra points for these hits and blocks that he puts up do you agree that people should be taking a close look at matt niskanen right now if he's in their free agency
1: Yes, I do. Niskanen is flying under the radar because he did nothing in five games and then got injured. But now he's back and he's doing some things. And yeah, he's worth a pickup in a lot of formats. I wonder, Elon, who would you prefer between Matt Niskanen and Alex Edler using the cupful categories where you've got your, your scoring, like your points and your shots and your blocks?
0: You know, uh, that's a close one. Like Edler is going to get you the power play points. But Niskanen's probably going to get more even strength points, like points overall, just because Washington scores so many goals. That's the thing. With the Capitals scoring so much, all these guys like Tom Wilson and, and Niskanen and whoever, they're all cashing in. Uh, I think I would go Niskanen. It depends if it's a long-term or short-term thing. Uh, I don't even know though so how that makes me decide. What's,
1: what's your answer? That's a tough one. My Yeah, no, I don't know. That's why I was asking you. I'm glad you didn't ask that one to me. Okay. I, it's a push. It's a push. I think I'll go Niskanen for the more. I feel like his peripherals are a little more assured. Adler has the power play. I don't know. depends on what you need for your team. How about that?
0: Okay, I'm going to go back. When I was saying, depends if you're looking short term or long term, I think Niskanen's better long term because I think he, we know his role. He's already producing now, not on the top power play. Things could only get better for him. Edler, who knows? He could get bumped. Maybe Delzato gets another shot on the top power player or Derek Pouliot or, you know, like Vancouver has a lot of guys. Edler also is more injury prone. So, yeah, give me Niskanen unless you're looking like very short term. Like Vancouver does have that good schedule next week. So maybe I would take Edler for next week. So, okay, by the way, Dimitri Orlov has six assists in his last eight games. Speaking of Washington defenseman. I assume you'd rather Niskanen over Orlov?
1: Yes, I would prefer Niskanen and Edler over Orlov. Okay.
0: Uh, another defenseman injured, uh, Hampus Lindholm, is out for Anaheim. And there's a bunch of people that should be coming back for the Ducks next week. And we already talked about the Ducks a lot last week. So, Brian, how about this? Let's make a deal with our listeners. We know there's a lot of stuff going on in Anaheim. So why don't we just table this? We could, like, start next week's show with Getzlaff and Silverberg and Raquel and all these people being back. We'll look at what's going on on defense with Hampus Lindholm being injured. We don't know, right? Everything we say right now is not going to matter because all the lines are going to get jumbled all around. But definitely keep a watchful eye out for what's going on on anaheim see who's playing on the top power play with gets probably i would want to add that person assuming gets is back at 100 it's okay brian that's the injuries let's go to our second fantasy hockey headline of the week want to try to guess what it is injuries of course yeah. i don't even know why i say it it's not even a headline it's more like a topic So how did I come up with this verbiage for how I introduce segments of the show? But yeah, let's talk about outjuries, which by the way, isn't a real word. Sometimes I forget that outjuries isn't a real word because I say it so often. We coined that phrase like four years ago. I wonder if there's any residual checks coming our way from other podcasts using outries. Let us know if you've heard another podcast saying outries. I'd be curious to know. I know Bangers and MASH got out there. It was mentioned on the Dauber Prospects podcast a few times. I wonder if Outries has gotten there as well. Anyways, outries, players who are not injured, they're outured. They're back. Let's start in Vegas with David Perron, who returned to the Golden Knights for Friday and Saturday's games. He had an assist at Nashville, a power play goal, and an assist at Dallas. He's great, right? He, yesterday he played on, I guess, line two with James Neal and Eric Huala. Uh, Marsha So, Carlson, and Riley Smith, I assume is line one. Anyways, Perron saw close to 50% of the power play time. Seems like Vegas runs two pretty even units. So if you're seeing power play time, you're going to be seeing around 50% of the time. Perron is now up to 22 points in 23 games on this season. He like obviously must be owned in all leagues, right? Like, do I even need to ask you this? I know you're like the big naysayer for Vegas people. Anyone who's ever listened to your advice about Vegas players have missed out on like a ton of production. Are you going to tell them to continue missing out on Perron's production? if somehow, he's probably not, so it doesn't even matter, but if he's somehow available.
1: I changed my tune like a week or two ago. If there's one thing that the Golden Knights have shown themselves good at this year, it's outrunning, saving off regression. And David Perron is doing that exactly. He's a 10% shooter in his career, converting on 17% of his shots. His ice shooting percentage is four to five percentage points higher than it should be. His IPP is on the high end of his career numbers, reasonable enough, I guess. Uh, All this to say, go get them. Why not? Grab them, enjoy the ride and cut bait if and when the hockey gods ever catch up to these guys.
0: Okay, well, one person who I guess the hockey gods caught up to was Shea Theodore. He was a healthy scratch yesterday. He had a bad giveaway on Friday, apparently, and he'd also gone cold since we last recommended him on the podcast. So, again, apologies to those people who like rushed to add Shea Theodore. Brian, should they hold on if they still have? He's pointless in six right now. He's now been healthy scratched. Do his owners cut bait, or do we expect him to maybe have watched this game, learned whatever lesson the coach was trying to teach him, and now he's going to bounce back and be better than ever?
1: I always like to see what a guy does in the game back from a healthy scratch so I'm curious to see what's next to come from Shea Theodore if you urgently need production from the roster spot that he's currently holding and there are like other 40 point defenseman options out there for you in free agency then you may be able to safely swap him out till things look rosier for him if it's a really deep league and you know you're not going to get him back I would hold on for another week or two to see what he gets up to after returning to the lineup.
0: Okay, and I started the show ranting and raving about Mark andre Fleury, who's been activated from IR. He will return next week. Brian, do we assume he's going to get the undisputed number one goalie job playing almost every game? Or is there a chance that Malcolm Subban can hold on as like at least a 1B? Like, Subban's been really good. Three straight wins now. 924 save percentage on the season. Seems weird for Vegas to just not play him any more anymore than, you know, I don't know, Buffalo plays Chad Johnson.
1: Marc-Andre Fleury is the face of the franchise in Vegas. He is their number one guy. It's been a really great showing by Malcolm Subban. Not enough to be considered anything more than 1B until a point where Marc-Andre Fleury falters. Even 1B might be a stretch. Subban has definitely earned consideration for that sort of role, though. And if and when Fleury does have trouble, uh, he'll get the call. And good for him for earning that right. I think the useful question here is, though, Elon, if you own Marc-Andre Fleury and you've been having Subban on your roster this whole time, do you need to keep him for the handcuff?
0: Well, that's what I was asking you. <laughs> like, were you so-
1: I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really take that from your question. My answer is I don't think you do. Uh, if you're the really cautious type, you may want to hang on. Like, If you were someone who owned in last year and held Niemi for the majority of the year anyway, uh, then maybe, although you can expect better numbers from this handcuff <laughs> than that handcuff.
0: If you're one of those people, then you probably lost your league. I am one of those people. And how did you do? I lost my league. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, do you think this face of the franchise thing, Like this is what we were saying at the start of the year when we assumed Vegas would be a crappy team. And so, yeah, they might as well just try to sell tickets and go with their you know, quote unquote face of the franchise. At this point, they're in the playoffs, right? Like they're in the picture. They need to do whatever they need to do to win, right? I don't. I think all this face of the franchise stuff goes out the window once they're actually a contender. Does that have any merit or is that just a stupid rambling I just did?
1: Maybe there's something to it, but not a fantasy-relevant conversation, so I'm not going to think too hard about it.
0: Well, it will be fantasy-relevant if Marc-Andre Fleury a- hey,
1: Let's see. Okay, we're done. Let's I guess, I guess, Well, I guess other faces have emerged. Like They've had a really great showing from the rest of the team, and there's been a lot to be excited about in Vegas. I, initially, going into the season, it's like they really need a guy, such a friendly, media-friendly guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, because he's going into a non-traditional hockey market they're going to have very little to be happy about. So they have to have this affable centerpiece of the franchise. You're right. Maybe there's less importance for that. And maybe Malcolm Subban has, has grown his own fan base at the moment. So yeah, obviously we'll see what happens.
0: We'll report back on what's going on in Vegas once Fleury is back. It's a tough decision, like whether or not to hold on to Malcolm Subban because he's been so good. I dropped him in the couple once I saw that Fleury was going to be coming back. So I thought it'd be better to get some more skater games. I probably cost myself the goalie categories by not having Subban. So maybe I... Uh... Should not have done that, but obviously that was really dumb because Fleury wasn't back yet. Now Fleury's back, so there's a whole other question. Okay, let's go to another outjury, another goalie. Let's talk about Antti Ranta, who returned yesterday for the Coyotes at Columbus. He had a great game. He stopped 33 of 34 shots. All right, what an amazing return for Antti Ranta. But of course, Arizona still found a way to lose because they got shut out. Come on, give give your goalie a goal when he's coming back from Injury that sucks. So, just a heads up, Ranta is now up to a 919 save percentage on the season in 14 games. If you recall, he stunk for like the first two games and then got injured, and then everyone assumed he was going to be a huge bust. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a good goalie. Like, Brian, what do you expect from him moving forward? We had a question on Twitter from mk Wan McWan, uh, anyways, cool name. Uh, he asked on Twitter who he should choose between Ranta, Leonard, and Howard, and I was having a tough time, I ended up going with Leonard. But just because like Ranta is a good goalie, but if Arizona is not going to score any goals, like he's not going to win very much.
1: That is the trouble with going for anti-Ranta. Arizona has won just two of their last eight games. You mentioned they need to score a goal to support their goalie. That was not just a one game problem. The Coyotes have offered up just 11 goals of support over the last eight games. So I'm not so pumped to get their goalie. That said, I do have more faith in them turning their ship around. Uh, compared to Buffalo. So I will take Ranta ahead of Laner. Jimmy Howard's a little tougher to pick, but I think Ranta can put up better numbers through the year. So I would put Ranta, I don't know, I'd call it even between the two. If you can stream them both, like if they're both available, just go with the hot hand or the better schedule.
0: Okay, and since we're on Arizona and their inability to score, can we officially call Clayton Keller a snoozer now in one-year leagues? I'm really sorry to all the Clayton Keller fans, but like, if you like had... Uh, The option to add him, Brian, in your cupful tier one Sweden division, would you even add him? He has no goals and six assists in his last 15 games. Very hard to justify having him on your roster right now.
1: We should call Clayton Keller a snoozer. Yeah, I don't know that I would add him if he was available in my cupful division. Not a whole lot there. Got to wait till something else comes. And uh, his upside might be good in the future. But for this year, I think it's limited enough that he's not worth burning a roster spot on while you wait for him to heat back up.
0: Yeah, but if you don't add him now, you probably won't get him. I'll bet you, like, he was dropped in one of the couple divisions, like, a few weeks back, and that owner got, like, lambasted. Everyone was like, what are you doing? Why'd you drop him? And that owner is looking, like, really smart right now. And Clay- the guy who added Clayton Keller, I think, spent a lot of fab dollars, free agent acquisition budget dollars, to get him, and now he has to decide if it's time to drop him or not. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like if he was dropped, a lot of people would be bidding on him, but I wonder if... Clayton Keller would turn out to be worth all the money that is bid on him when people try to claim him as a free agent. Okay. So aside from him, Derek Stepan has cooled off. He has two goals and one assist in those last six games. Max Domi doing nothing. Are we at the point now where there's like no like forwards or basically no one worth owning on Arizona aside from Ranta and Oliver Ekman Larson?
1: Yeah, I guess we're at that point and even owning anti-Ranta would be debatable as we just covered. I'm not saying that these other guys like Keller, Stepan and Domi can't, reclaim their value later in the season at some point but it just isn't there right now and uh even if those guys are taken in a really deep league and you're still hankering for a coyote how about this name that i want to throw out there christian fisher two goals four assists for six points on 20 shots in his last eight games not seeing a whole lot in the way of deployment though Uh, he's played with keller and dylan strome in arizona's most recent outing That's the end. There's no conclusion. Just like to throw out a deep cut every once in a while.
0: Yeah. So you can pay attention to Christian Fisher but I don't think you should add him. I think we've talked about some other players that you might want to add ahead of him if we're talking about how Arizona's having trouble scoring goals. All right, sorry to all you Clayton Keller owners, but he's out of the Calder race right now, right? It's definitely going to be between Besser and Barzil, I think. Maybe, though, there's another guy who could sneak into the conversation because, Brian, we're on a new segment of the show now. We're outside of Outchories. We're on to the next fantasy hockey headline of the week
1: line changes teams who have changed up their lines these are not headlines you can't <laughs> call them this is this calls back to like i think maybe three years like in our second season of the show where we decided to structure it in terms of fantasy hockey headlines and like you would say like uh, there's supposed to be three big ones but we ended up having like 11 or 12 by the end of the the, the run of the headline situation i don't know why you've gone back to it now I, don't know, I just
0: like saying it it's like a fun phrase the next fantasy hockey headline of the week is line changes, but you're right. But how about this as a headline is that I was right. There was something I said recently that was correct. Because if you recall, Brian, on our patron cast that we recorded on Thursday, and by the way, let's take a second to say that was a really fun show. Hopefully the patrons enjoyed it as much as I did like discussing with you. And then we had a lot of fun in the chat room. Also, if you are not a patron of Keeping Carlson, you want to hear this like hour and a half plus of bonus content that we recorded last thursday answering all the questions from our patrons you can check it out if you sign up to be a patron keepingcarlson.com slash patron and you have access to all the bonus content from the past anyways on the patron cast we had a question about alex to who'd been doing so well and you were saying that, yeah, he's on a good run, but I don't know if I jump on him because, you know, he's not on a good line. He was on line three at the time. And I said, if you recall, and I know I was wrong about a bunch of things, right, Brian? I've already admitted to a lot of mistakes throughout the show. So you could forgive me for wanting to brag about one thing I got right. I said, I don't think it's going to be long before Alex Brinket bumps someone and gets into the top six because he's doing so well. Richard Panic had been doing nothing. And there we go. It happened on Friday. The Blackhawks went with Taves, Saad, and Brinket as line one. And then Kane, Anisimov, and Schmaltz for line two. DeBrinkett scored a power play goal on Friday versus Buffalo. He also had an assist Wednesday at Washington. He's up to 21 points in 29 games on the season. It's a 59-point pace. Now he's in the top six. So can we call him a must-own at this point? And like I was hinting at, is there potential for a potential Calder nomination? Like, I'm not saying I think he can beat out Barzil or Bessel. Like a law would have to change for that to happen. But maybe at this point, Alistair Brinkett is ahead of Clayton Keller as someone who might get that third spot on the Calder nominee
1: list. We've seen him get up into this spot before in the season and he wasn't able to hold it. So I'm not ready to like say, oh yeah, he's there to stay. He's going to be able to score enough to, to merit Calder consideration. Yeah, his name's in there. If you're looking at the top six or seven, I would probably put a guy like Charlie McAvoy ahead of him as the third guy behind Barzil and Besser to be nominated, though, before I before I have faith that he's going to be that third guy.
0: That's fair. Okay, but anyways, back to the fantasy relevant thing. Like, do people need to be rushing to add Debrinket at this point if he's in free agency? I feel like yes. Like, there must be someone you could drop for someone on the top line on a nice run. Sure. Okay, you're lukewarm on it. You
1: can you can hear how? I mean, I came into the season being like incredibly high on him and thinking that he was going to be the rookie that might not be the highest scoring rookie, but was going to turn the most heads and get the most attention. The truth is, he just hasn't had the opportunity to do that yet. And I wonder if finally, about thirty games into the season, he's about to get it. Call me crazy for not being ready to think that this is going to stick. If it does, though, I I am excited about it. So sure, if you have room a speculative ad if he does hold this deployment oh then God. go ahead and add alex to how about that elon
0: i don't know it's just he, he, like i said he's already on a 59 point pace even not with this deployment and, and like you're you tell this story you've told it before how you were so high on to and then he really let you down like i feel like it was like the next week after the season started you were like okay forget about to like i don't think that uh you should have let him hurt you so much that you can't get back to loving him again he's doing great hey but he's pointless today so Maybe I'm going to look them. I don't know. But the whole the whole game is pointless, by the way. It's 0-0 between Arizona and Chicago. Corey Crawford, I wasn't planning on bringing him up, but he's come back from injury and he's been great. And Scott Wedgwood is playing today. So we had a lot of talk about Antti Ranta. Maybe Wedgwood will challenge, though. I doubt it. I know you love Wedgwood. Anyways, okay, we're on Chicago right now. Let's also mention that Cody Franson is injured. Not because I think that's super relevant. I know there's a joke in the Facebook group that I love Cody Franson so much. It's not true. But uh, now we have Gustav Forsling, who had a big game versus Buffalo. He put up a goal and two assists. We got a lot of questions. People asking us if it's time for them to add Gustav Forsling. I feel like he's not even on your radar at all, right, Brian?
1: He actually is on my radar, Elon. He was supposed to be in the lineup to provide some offensive punch. And we've seen it in a couple isolated instances this year. So he's on my radar, but no more than a guy like Cody Francis, who it's very interesting to see so quickly and, and hastily trying to distance yourself from It's not. I never turn. I was never close to him. This is fake.
0: Like this is not true. What you're saying. Like I think I said at one point in a discussion about Brent Seabrook, and I was saying, hey, you know, even Cody Franson's getting more power play time than him. Like at the time, that was true. So like, why would you hold on to Brent Seabrook? I was never saying that people should be rushing to add Cody Franson. And by the way, speaking of Seabrook, he's been seeing now a lot of power play time. He's been on the top power play actually, but has gone 20 games without a power play point. Obviously, not doing much with it. he actually just has two assists in his last 10 games he has no shots in each of his last two games that's before today obviously no points today since the game is tied Seabrook has five shots damn every single time I want to ask you if it's time to drop Brent Seabrook he has a decent game And now you're probably gonna say oh he, t- he took five shots he's probably worth holding I'm curious to know like are you gonna give permission for people to finally let him go or now are you gonna say he's had a big shot game today so it, it's the big return to 35 point pace is coming
1: Oh, oh, he took five shots, so he's probably worth holding. No, have I not already said that Seabrook is droppable? He was keeping up good enough shot and block numbers to stay semi-relevant even without getting points. But yeah, with those gone, if he's not getting those shots and blocks, which of course he is again today, so I don't know. Look, Seabrook is only worth hanging on to in deeper leagues where you're hoping he'll somehow, some way, cash in on the power play minutes he continues to get while putting up a respectable amount of peripherals.
0: Fine, earlier in the year, you traded Kyle Turris for Brent Seabrook. Do you wish you could have it back? Turris is on such a good run right now. We'll get to him later.
1: Yeah, but the guy I traded Turris to dropped him, and I still have Seabrook, so I guess I won the trade.
0: Good job. Okay. Uh, We're on line changes. If you recall what fantasy hockey headline we're on, it's line changes. So uh, good news for Wayne Simmons owners as he was promoted to line one with Giroux and Couturier a couple games back. And he's doing great there. He's responded with three goals and one assist in his last three games. If anyone cut bait on Wayne Simmons during his cold streaks, they're likely beating themselves up now. But you had good reason to. He was like not doing very well and he wasn't playing with players that you would think would help him produce much. Like aside from him, you know, being on the top power play, that's good. But now he's on this great line and he's doing great and you know the guy who he bumped jacob voracek you'd think oh no this isn't great now jacob voracek goes off the couturier and Giroux line is online too with raffle and phil Pulla. you're like ugh, he's not gonna be able to produce there but no jacob voracek is doing just fine he had three assists at calgary one assist in edmonton three assists in vancouver yesterday so a nice little trip through western canada for jacob voracek you know that he's up to 37 points in 29 games now on the year voracek is tied for fifth in league scoring with johnny gudrow and he's only behind wheeler kopitar kucherov and stamkos and he's not that far behind actually stamkos leads with 42 points voracek like i said has 37 is jacob voracek this good or do you see some regression coming especially now that he's on the second line
1: okay so jacob voracek has seven assists in three games with raffle and phil pula as his line mates three of those assists came on the power play that makes sense One of Voracek's assists came on a Valtteri Filpula shot, which is a rarity. The guy's only taken two shots in his last three games. And three of Voracek's assists at even strength Came on a Michael Raffle goal. Uh Raffle scored three times on seven shots since this line has been put together. So Jacob Voracek is good, but I also see regression coming. He's got to pay the Piper, not just for the high on-eye shooting percentage. He's seen the last three games at even strength with Phil Pula and Raffle, but also for much of the season before that. I've said as much for Giroud and Couturier, too. But one wonderful thing about Jacob Voracek's year to date. He is on pace for 305 shots on goal. That would be a career high for Voracek in his 10th NHL season. Not even just like a minor marginal improvement. It would be 52 shots more than his current career high of 253, which he set just last season. It's weird to see a player trending this way at this point in his career. Voracek turned 28 this past summer but it is clearly also indicative of a role that he's been asked to play in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, you say that Voracek is going to see some regression coming, but for now, he's on a great run, and he'll still be good even if he regresses. He's, like, well above a point per game now, so even if he goes down, he could still be at, like, a 70, 75, maybe 80-point pace. Raffle and Philpula are his linemates right now. They're clearly enjoying playing with Voracek. Raffle has three straight games with goals. He has four points in that span. Philpula has four points in his last three games, and Philpula is actually seeing power play two-time. Roffle is not, so are either of these guys worth a stream right now for you? And if yes to either, like, who would you want more?
1: Uh, I think, I, yeah, I kind of answered that already in my, like, indirectly saying that Raffle scored three times on seven shots, Phil Pula once on twice, so I'm not not that big on either of them, I guess I'll take Michael Roffle just because he is taking more shots and scoring more goals, um, neither guy, to be quite honest, has much business being on a second line, so uh, that's how I feel about them, I'm not going to get him. Uh- I mean,
0: just because they, like, you said the same thing about Tom Wilson. It's like he doesn't deserve to be there, so you don't want to dignify No, but Tom Wilson
1: gets to play. I know, I said go ahead and get Tom Wilson. He plays with Ovechkin and Backstrom. Raffle and Phil Pula play with each other, plus Jacob Voracek, who is still, like, getting a, a good chunk of his production on the power play.
0: Okay, that's fair. All right, so there you go. Tom Wilson ahead of Raffle and Phil Pula for you right now for streamers for the week, it sounds like.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay, let's go to Minnesota now. They've shaken up their lines and they've kind of made me regret dropping Charlie Coyle in the cupful. I really needed right wingers, but I let him go. Even though he was on a point streak, I just thought like he wasn't taking any shots and he was on the third line. So like I really couldn't see it continuing. And now he's in the top six and... This is the this, these are the lines. on Minnesota. Okay, last game they ran with Stahl, Grandland, and Niederreiter, and then Koivu with coil and Zucker. So this is like very interesting, just because Koivu and Grandland have been split up, and this is a long time that. Koivu and Granland have been together. Like it's it's very surprising to see them split. This is like when Ben and Sagan get split. you're like, what? Why? That's so... but now that's actually very common. We'll see how long this lasts with the Minnesota Lions. It's been great news for the aforementioned Charlie Coyle getting into the top six. He's currently on a six-game point streak. He has nine points in 12 games this year. You said earlier on when he came back from his injury that you predicted a 55 point pace, I think, for the rest of the year. That's looking really good right now, Brian. So good for you. We'll see. Do you do you still concur with that prediction? yes cool okay uh so yeah jason zucker keeps plugging along he's up to 24 points in 28 games to me it seems like he's a clear sell high but i'm just saying that because we're talking about jason zucker not because i've looked at any underlying numbers do you think that he can keep this up and hit like 65 points this year or is regression coming for him i'm curious to know your thoughts on him maybe i'll just mention a couple other players and you could just talk about all these guys at once uh Miku koivu has actually gone ice cold And he's the guy centering Zucker and Coil, So it's kind of weird that those guys are both doing well, but Koivu, who's playing with them, is doing nothing. He's pointless in six, no longer playing with Granlin. Like I said, do you think that Koivu will bounce back? Or would you be considering dropping him at this point? Like I'm saying, like, I feel like either you have to say you think Coyle is going to bounce back or you have to say that you think Zucker and Coyle are going to slow down. because they're on the, Or you could say that you think the lines will change. It has to be one of those three.
1: Well, the thing about Zucker is I like him. He's another guy who's on pace to set a career high in shots. And if he keeps up his current rates, he's going to get 20-odd more than last year's total of 172. He's not going to keep on scoring on 21% of the shots he takes, but I do think Zucker's shots will help him creep towards a pace of 55 points the rest of the way. Maybe closer to 50 but the upside is there yeah 55 point
0: upside is obviously really good but if you could get someone better for him in a trade maybe then you could go for that it does seem unlikely that he keeps up this pace moving forward grandlin niederreiter install that top line or maybe the second line None of them are really doing much of anything lately. Do you have any general thoughts on these guys? Can I, like, dare I just ask you to rank the Minnesota top six again? Like I always ask you to do. Like I actually just recently dropped Mikhail Granlund in a really shallow league. Matt Barzel was still out there. At some point you just have to be like, I'm adding Matt Barzel. Like enough of this. Even though he doesn't help with the hits and blocks, I decided to get him for Mikhail Granlund, which seems weird, But he's not doing anything. And now he's split up with Koivu. I don't know if that's good or bad. So what do you think about all of these top six in Minnesota? Who would you want to have right now? Just rank like first to worst.
1: Okay, well, first I will say about Miko Koivu. He's still a good player. Like he's seen a drop in his percentages that shouldn't stay this way all year. So hold the faith if you've got him. But at the same time, he's not such a sexy name that you should be holding on to Koivu while he struggles if other 50 plus point options are out there if you need some really targeted help in categories towards the end of the week you might be able to safely cycle him out as for Granlund, Niederreiter, and Stahl they're all yeah they're all likely very close you know Minnesota scoring has slowed as we said it would when we talked about this very same group being on a tear we said Minnesota's scoring a whack of goals right now so they can't all keep producing this way uh, and here we are now Minnesota's scoring has not slowed terribly like it's still close to three goals per game which is low but not a well that's run totally dry and that is showing up in their numbers if I had to rank them the rest of the season it's probably the same as how I did it before Eric Stahl, Mikael Granlund, Nino Niederreiter for those three you want the rest do I have to put the rest in there it's yeah all, the whole the whole top so six close. I don't want to so close um, basically say they're all the same yeah I'm gonna say Stahl is ahead of the group Granlin has the next biggest upside and then I'll say uh, Koivu is fairly steady even though he hasn't been so far and Zucker and Niederreiter are pretty close together
0: oh I don't know I think a lot of people at this point would have Zucker a lot higher on their list than you do like he's the one who's been consistently producing all the way through but that's fair they're all good names it's tough to say well I'll I'll ask you next week please yeah I'll ask you again every single week for the rest of the season to rank these guys gotta hold you accountable You, you keep saying Eric Stahl is the best he's on a cold streak right now so we'll see what he does okay uh also we'll have to wait and see how these lines if they hold like i'm very interested to see if they're going to keep koivu and Granlin away from each other after their amazing success like last year they were they were so great but anyways okay also matt dumba has been killing it since spurgeon went down uh with his injury dumba has two goals and three assists in his last six games he had a goal six shots four hits and five blocks in friday's 3-2 win over anaheim and he played 30 minutes in that game so he's just been a stud i have to say brian as a spurgeon owner i have him stashed in my ir i have to say i'm getting a bit nervous like maybe dumba is someone who can hold this spot since he's doing so well or do you think that spurgeon is going to come back dumba is going to go back down to less than 20 minutes a game
1: look you can be mad at me all you want right now for sending dumba away while he's gone on this streak but I deserve none of your wrath about it until Jared Spurgeon comes back and fails to get back into the spot he had before. So talk to me when that happens. Until then, it's great what Dumba's doing. I'm sorry you don't have him.
0: Okay. I didn't say anything about being angry at you, but I know well, that
1: I'm reading, I'm reading between the lines.
0: Okay. Well, for those who listening, uh, I made a trade for Brent Burns, actually in the couple. And part of my trade, I traded Taylor hall. And then the other owner asked that I send back any defenseman. And then I was going to get back Burns and it was Brendan Gallagher. And I asked Brian, who should I send Dumba or Johnny Boychuk? He said to send Dumba, and now I'm kind of regretting it because Dumba's doing really well. But yeah, like you say, we'll have to see what happens when Spurgeon comes back. I'm assuming Spurgeon comes back and... He'll be fine. He was doing really well before he got injured, but Dumba's clearly proving that he deserves to be in this role on the top line or whatever, top, you know, pairing and top power play. Anyways, okay, let's go to Dallas now. They've shaken up their lines. Alex Radulov was bumped to the second line yesterday for Dallas's game versus Vegas. Devin Shore took his place on line one with Ben and Sagan. Radulov is now pointless in three games. Overall, he's been having a great year. He has 25 points in 30 games, but I guess we have to assume that pace will continue to decrease if he is off that top line for a long time.
1: Actually, yeah. I don't know how long this is going to last for Radulov. His pace looks good to me on the whole. So I'm actually okay with everything he's doing. And I don't feel like this is a permanent situation. I'm not getting upset about it.
0: Okay, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So you're saying that if he stays on the
1: second line, though, would you be nervous? I suppose a little bit. Like, it's obviously not as good a spot on the first line. But you know me, like, I need to see three, four games of... A line change to start, like, actually considering how it affects my my thinking about a player. If this does stick, yes. But I, I think we might be wasting our breath thinking that what we see happening for one game is going to stay. Okay. Well, that's what the podcast is kind of all about. But yeah, that's yeah, not... you're right. That's a very silly thing. This is what we do here. Uh, well, okay. Well, if you're in a weekly league or if you're playing
0: Fan Duel on Tuesday and you're deciding whether or not to play Rajulov, you might not want to play him this week if he's going to be on the second line, I think that's a much worse spot for him. The guy who takes a spot is Devin Shore, who's already been on the top power play all season long. So now we've got top line, top power play, Devin Shore with Ben and Sagan. It's like the prime spot to be in. That was the Patrick Eve spot. Whenever he would get there, he would do so well. Devin Shore, like he's not doing anything. Like why do the Dallas Stars love Devin Shore so much? I, I don't understand it. Aside, he had a one goal and one assist game versus Colorado a couple weeks back. Aside from that, he's been putting up zeros every single game in such a good deployment it makes him really tough to predict for fantasy. Like I feel like at some point, I don't know, like, what do we even say about Devin Shore? Do you leave him in free agency even though he's on the top line and top power play on Dallas? Seems like a crazy thing to do, but at the same time, he's like not doing anything. So what do you think about Devin Shore as a short-term ad?
1: No, I have added him. I've streamed him in. You've streamed him in. I think a lot of people have streamed him in because he's in such a good spot. It's a really good question as to why he remains in such a good spot. You look at how he ranks amongst the 13th. Dallas fours who've played a significant amount of minutes this year shore ranks 10th out of 13 in points per 60 11th in shot attempts per 60 12th in shots on goal per sixty, 69th in expected goals four per 60 and is dead last in Corsi four percentage so I don't really know what's to like about Devin Shore and what the stars seeing him doesn't have a huge pedigree either um the thing that he is going for him is that there aren't a ton of other candidates to replace him. Maybe they think he's one of their top 12 forwards and they don't trust him very much to be on a line. Like, look at those shot attempt share numbers. They aren't good. And that's why they think this is like a harmless place to put him because they're not going to get any more from any other guy, like getting to play with Ben and Sagan. So, that's uh, just a, a really convoluted roundabout theory. The shorter answer is, yeah, I'm confused by Devin Shore's prominence on the Dallas depth chart.
0: Yeah, I feel like why not give Jason Spezza a chance on there? Maybe help him break out of his funk. Anyway, by the way, Radulov's still on the top power play, so I'm not saying like, you have to drop him or anything, but obviously I'm just saying his you know prospects go down a bit. He was like a point-per-game guy, basically, while he was on the top line. Now he's pointless in three. I can see that continuing for a little while, except for maybe power play points if he's not going to be playing with Ben and Sagan. Okay, next line change to discuss. Let's go to San Jose. Melker Carlson is the most recent young player to take a spot on line one with the Joes. Looks like Timo time will have to wait. I added Timo Meyer last week i guess because i like that he was on the top line he's someone who we thought of as someone who takes a lot of shots might have some upside forget about him maybe melker's the guy now melker he has points in three straight games brian do you think he's worth a flyer for san jose's thursday and friday games next week those are the only days they play so i definitely wouldn't be adding melker carlson now but maybe right before those games you could stream him in for a couple of games it's a
1: good spot line one I guess he is worth a flyer because of the spot he's playing in. Keep in mind, his production has been two goals on four shots in the three games he's been on the top line. Neither of those numbers are entirely reassuring. But yeah, this is like the Tom Wilson syndrome or the Dominic Simon or Simone syndrome. Like the guy on the top line, just by default, is a good guy to have unless he's Devin Shore
0: right yeah devon shore is the exception to the rule apparently uh brian so i'm curious to ask like who would you prefer between melker carlson and tomas hurdle who's on the top power play right now playing with and couture at even strength so he's got a two-game point streak but before that he was pointless in four games maybe it doesn't matter maybe i'm splitting hairs like hurdles in a good spot though he's getting a lot of ice time on the top power play is really good for him it's not tim heat anymore it's tomas hurdle
1: I think I'm going to stick with Tomas Hurdle between him and Melker Carlson. You know what? Even Kevin LeBanc or Timo Meyer may be more interesting to me than Melker Carlson because at least they're putting up shots on goal. I actually, today, for tonight's games, I added Timo Meyer over Melker. It's the last day of a tight matchup where I need help in all categories. And I was just putting my money on Timo helping me more in shots on goal than I believed Melker would help me anywhere. So we'll see how that plays out. So far, Timo Meyer, nothing. No shots.
0: Yeah. By the way, Wild are up one nothing over San Jose. Ryan Murphy scored a power play goal assisted by Zucker and Eric Stahl. So, Brian, Eric Stahl, your main guy over in Minnesota.
1: There he him. is, the best guy in the Minnesota top six, showing what he's worth with that secondary assist.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think I might like Zucker better than Eric Stahl right now. Uh, The way he's playing babies. Okay, doesn't matter. We're on San Jose. I was talking about the Joes. You might be thinking when I was saying Melchor Carlson's playing with the Joes, Pavelski and Thornton, like who cares? This is old news. They're not even that good anymore. No, we're back maybe to normal. Like the Joes are doing well. Joe Pavelski had a goal and an assist yesterday versus Ottawa that brought him to two goals and six assists in his last nine games. It's going into today, uh, not including today's game, of course. Thornton has three goals and seven assists in that same span over the last nine games. Brent Burns, by the way, has two goals and seven assists in his last nine games. So, is everything back to normal with all these San Jose guys now? Thornton, Pavelski, Burns, like all the guys that we drafted expecting good things
1: from, they're finally coming. Thank God, Joe Pavelski has finally started to do stuff just as we were pretty much giving up on him, of course, is when it happens. And hooray for Brent Burns, Joe Thornton on the map. Let's hope it is all back to normal for the high end San Jose Sharks.
0: Okay, then let's look in Nets. When does Aaron Dell steal this starting job already? Jones has had three straight clunkers since returning from injury. Dell had those two great games that we talked about last week. And then he didn't play again until yesterday when he shut out the Sens, stopping 25 shots. Like, I feel like at this point, it might be time for people, you know, just like I was saying about Dabrinkit, how I thought he's going to get online one eventually. Maybe at this point, people need to start considering preemptively adding Aaron Dell just in case san jose decides that no martin jones isn't cutting it dell's doing well at least for the short term they start riding dell trying to get some more wins unfortunately with san jose's schedule next week they play like i said thursday and friday so probably they're just going to split those two games we're not going to see much there but maybe the following week will be the week that Aaron dell finally takes that number one job
1: would you believe elon that the difference in save percentage between Aaron dell and martin jones is actually less than the difference between carter hutton and jake allen So, have we thought at any moment that because Hutton has performed so much better on the season and Jake Allen just had 12, a stretch of 12 games where he was pretty much terrible, did we think Hutton was about to take over? Uh, That's a little sarcastic, a little tongue in cheek. It's understating what's happening here. I mean, we have had our eye on Jones and Dell since preseason as a goalie situation that we could see turn into a timeshare or flip altogether. But to think that it's imminently about to happen, I don't know we're there yet. The flaw in your theory is that you go back more than the three most recent starts from either guy, and you are already starting to see steady starts from Jones, shaky ones from Dell. I guess if you're really paranoid and or relying heavily on Martin Jones and adding Dell seems like a good precautionary measure, but I'm not considering this goalie situation flipped yet, especially since Jones's numbers are still fine on the whole. There are no real red flags in his performance this season to date, aside from the last three games.
0: Yeah, okay, Brian. Well, you could plant your flag there and tell people not to add Aaron Dell. But I think a couple of weeks from now, when Dell's getting assistant starts, I don't know if it's going to last the whole season. Might be a Kudobin situation where he was doing really well and people who added him for like those two weeks really benefited. And then eventually, you know, you drop him for the next guy. I'm not saying like drop Martin Jones, but I'm saying that I like Aaron Dell. Like, uh, You're saying like,
1: it's about to happen. You're saying Aaron Dell is going to take over starting with the next starter, the one after. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't... I don't feel like it's as close as you're making it out to be.
0: I don't think that he's going to, like, steal the job forever. I think that the way things are going, at some point San Jose is going to give Dell a run of games until he... I agree.
1: I said this in the preseason.
0: Okay, well, I'm saying it now. I don't know
1: why we're arguing.
0: I'm telling people (laughs) to get arendelle on your watch list and ready to add him for i his- agree <laughs> i think
1: arendelle is worth watching absolutely maybe even a speculative ad but i want them to do it for my reasons and not yours okay
0: fine okay <laughs> next line changes i feel like sometimes you just want to argue with me i think <laughs> you agree never Let's go to the next line change. Tampa Bay has shaken things up again. They put Nemesnikov back on line one with Kucherov and Stamko. So that didn't last too long with them being separated. Uh, Overall, though, there still is the change from what the situation was a couple weeks ago because Tyler Johnson has stuck on line two with and Palat. Yanni Gourd is the one... you know in line three bottom six purgatory so definitely still forget about him i feel like everyone on tampa bay there's not much to talk about because nothing much has changed from last week the only big takeaway right now for me is tyler johnson should probably be owned in most leagues he's on an incredible run two goals seven assists in his last seven games even if he's not going to be playing with Stamkos, if he's on the second line with point and palat that's still pretty good i think and also i really hope he gets right wing eligibility soon who's been playing by the way right wing has it been point or johnson i don't know all right well Someone should look into that and give the other person right-wing eligibility.
1: And then at us, so we know also, Tyler Johnson, no question. Like, we we noticed when he was up there that he was the obvious ad. I hope you got him. If he's still somehow available, the people in your league are sleeping on him. Go get him.
0: Yeah, for sure. Looking good. Okay. People were excited about Gabrick on line one in LA earlier this week. We talked about him on our Patreon cast on Thursday, but that appears to be over right now. So if you jumped and were excited to grab Marion Gabrick, I think you had a two goal game on Tuesday, but yeah. Last game, at least, the Kings appear to have put Kopitar with Tanner Pearson and Tyler Toffoli for a lot of the game. So a big shift from what they've been doing for most of the season. With the way Kopitar has been crushing it this year, I feel like anyone playing with him, is it's equivalent to playing with Crosby. Like, you want to add these people. I feel like Pearson and Toffoli, who were already pretty decent fantasy-owns before, are, like, must-owns for as long as... If it continues at all, but yeah, for as long as they're playing with Andre Kopitar, like Toffoli already has 22 points in 31 games, even though he spent a lot of the season bouncing between line two and line three, not getting top power play time. He's still doing well. Brian, we drops him at one point in our joint league. I feel like maybe we shouldn't have done that, especially if he's going to be on line with Kopitar. We're going to really regret that. Uh, Tanner Pearson scored a goal and had an assist yesterday. He's on a run of two goals and five assists in his last six games. So he's on fire. I feel like both of these guys, Toffoli and Pearson, should be owned if they're going to be playing with Kopitar. Do
1: you concur? I concur. Both these guys, like you said, were already decent fantasy owned. So we did, like, we talked about their snooziness at times. Tafoli was like, Do I have to drop him because he's done nothing for so long? And Pearson was like, Stream him every time he gets on a roll. Right now is a great time to have either one of them.
0: Right. And then Brian, are you nervous as a Dustin Brown owner in the couple? I like to know your team by heart. I feel like I know every single player on your team. I'll bet you that I know more of your players than, you know,
1: my players. I wouldn't even take that bet because you're absolutely right. I don't know that I can name three of your cuckoo players. Oh
0: man. And I like ask you about my team all the time. I send you screenshots but uh, that's okay. I, I understand that, you know, to me, like you're my best friend. It doesn't mean I have to be your best friend. That's okay. I'm anyway. glad
1: you're, you're realizing this.
0: <laughs> so as a Dustin Brown owner, are you nervous or is this all very premature? It's like one game, but yeah, like Brown was obviously having such a great season. I mean, he has been, of course, still is like 26 points in 31 games, but it's all playing with Kopitar. I feel like if he's on line two with Kempe and whoever, that's a big downgrade.
1: Yeah, that is a big downgrade. Uh, Brown still has five points in his last four games. His time on ice is down a bit. So, like, I am a touch concerned as a Dustin Brown owner, but not enough to act on anything just yet. Like, this could all change right back as quickly as it started. Here I am calling back to me, not getting so upset about lines changing for one or two games. But that said, anyone such as myself who owns Dustin Brown should absolutely be monitoring closely to see where this goes.
0: Yeah, maybe there's like a sell-high window just based on his numbers. If you see word that LA is happy with this new configuration and they're going to stick with it for a while, like definitely don't, like you're saying, like go crazy after one game of a line change. It was even like partway through the game. But yeah, if Dustin Brown's off the first line, that means it's time to probably let go of him and try to get some return for him. Maybe it will not matter. Anyways, of course, the big reason that we're talking about who's playing with is we have to mention Kopitar's having such an amazing season, 38 points in 31 games at this point. Do you think that he can keep this up? Is this production sustainable or fleeting? From Andre Kopitar?
1: No, not sustainable. He's shooting 21. That's almost double his usual shooting percentage. His on ice shooting percentage is high, mostly probably because of his own inflated number. His IPP is higher than it's. Well, I mean, it could stay this high. We'll see if it hangs there. uh Do you know? By the way, the Kings are paying him 13 million dollars this year. So I sure hope he can keep producing in a similar clip. But I'm not putting him down as a 100 plus point player. I'd have. I'd be more comfortable having him around 80.
0: Okay, well, that's still really good. And by still, the way,
1: still really good. And I even like, I'm wondering if that's still high end. I, I'm still going to go with it for now. Yeah.
0: Also, like, I think he deserves that money. Like, he's really good, like, even not fantasy. Everyone's always talking about him as one of the best, like, overall coursey players, like possession. So he's like really good defensively. He puts up all these points. He's clearly carrying this team with Jeff Carter out. So give him more if they could. Isn't there like a max salary? Is 13 million the max?
1: Yeah. I don't think they can just be like, hey, we like the way you're playing. Here's, a, here's another million.
0: They should be a bonus. Is I don't know
1: what the max was. It depends on when he signed it, I think.
0: Okay. Well, anyway. All right. So we're, <laughs> that's it for line changes. Before we close up <laughs> the show, I'll bring up a couple hot streaks and cold streaks for you, Brian. You can let me know if you think these players are going to continue to be hot or if you think they're going to continue to be cold and what people should do. Okay. So let's go to Nashville. Fiala, Tourist, and Craig Smith. This line has been doing really, really well. Fiala's on a, four-game point streak, three goals and two assists in that span. Kyle Turris, a goal and five assists in his last four games. Craig Smith had a big two-goal, and one-assist game versus Boston on Monday. No points, but six shots on goal in his game yesterday. Do you think that all three of these players, Fiala, Turris, and Craig Smith, are worth owning right now while they're on a line together and clicking so well?
1: Yeah, you could go for either guy. Craig Smith, of course, still uh, still doing well in the power play as well. I would probably take him first of the group, then Turris, then Fiala. You take Craig Smith first. Yeah. Oh, Why not? Wow. I would have thought he'd be last. Why? I don't know. Like Fiala's been on our radar for like three weeks now.
0: Oh, okay. Well, they're all they're all good. I think Kevin Fiala is exciting, and Kyle Turris is probably the main one. He's the he's Kyle Turris. He's the only one that would have been drafted going into the year.
1: But who's on the top power play?
0: Well, anyways, okay. Oh, are you asking? Okay, let me check. That's no, a good. That's ad- I'm,
1: I mean, I'm assuming.
0: Assuming that it's Craig Smith.
1: I hope I'm not making an ASS out of you and me.
0: In the last game, they had Arvidsson, Forsberg, Yarncroc, and Craig Smith. What are they doing? Oh, yeah, well, because Ryan Johansson is injured. Very interesting. You know, guys, you are hearing a Keeping Carlson episode being produced in, like, in real time. And I'm not going to edit this. Whatever. The Nashville talk. This is how it goes sometimes. You don't know who to add. You don't know who's better. But I'm just telling you, Fiala Torres and Smith are doing well. Take a look and see if you can fit any of them into your roster next week when they play. Brian, okay, let's go to Edmonton. Who is Jujar Kyra? Like, I've never even heard of this person, but he had two goals yesterday at Montreal. He's playing with Dreisaitl and Strom. He has nine points in 16 games so far, and actually all of his nine points are in his last 10 games. So he's on a really great run. Who is he? Is he good? Should people add him?
1: Ira is a 23-year-old. He's a third-rounder of the Oilers back in 2012. He did very little in his first couple pro seasons playing in the AHL, but then took a pretty big step forward last year. He had eight goals and 12 assists for 20 points in 27 games with AHL Bakersfield. And then uh, he did get 10 games with the big club. Didn't do much on the score sheet, but he did look respectable. His scoring log looks pretty funny. Uh, Like you look at, I'm like, oh, well, maybe he's playing with uh, McD. Like my first thought is, who is he getting points with? Who are are the guys he's cashing in with? Uh, Ryan Strome, Johan Ovitu, Zach Cassian, and Chris Russell. Those are names that aren't easy to cash in with. However, those also indicate that that's who he is on the ice with, so that's not great. Um, This run for Kyra has seen him pick up four goals on 14 shots in his last six games, not counting tonight, in which the Oilers were shut out by Curtis McElhenney, but uh, maybe he got a couple shots. I haven't checked it out. His shooting percentage is up near 30% on that run, though, so uh, not totally sustainable. Look, I, I think the scouting report I've read on him that seems to be the most consistent is a middle or bottom six power forward. That's what his deployment is still showing. I'm staying pretty cool to him. And before we move on completely on the Oilers, Elon, congratulations to Leon Dreisaitl on notching his first power play point of the year. Way to go, Leon.
0: Way to go. Hopefully there's more to come. Yeah, obviously it's great for Kyra playing with Dreisaitl, but probably not so great for Dreisaitl playing with Kyra and Ryan Strome. He was probably expecting better deployment when he started this season. Brian, this is a name that I didn't put in the doc, but I just wanted to ask you right now, so you'll have to do this off the cuff. Have you heard of this person, Evan Rodriguez on Buffalo? He has two goals today. Looks like he's playing on the top power play. I know that we're going to be getting this question soon. Anyways, after this great game,
1: should people be looking at him and do you know who he is? I actually already had him up to talk about. It. I was gonna throw him in at the end of the show. Yeah, two goals, one on the power play. He also managed an assist in the game before this against Chicago. So uh, good for him. I'm not sure if he's on the top power play though. He hasn't. Like I, I was checking out the lines live over at Dauber Hockey's uh, using the frozen pool line combo, and he's not consistently on the top power play configuration. But he has found his way in there. He's also playing at even strength with Sam Reinhart, and Scott Wilson, which uh, doesn't make for a great spot on the depth chart either. Fun to see him score. I guess, uh, I guess we'll have to keep an eye on him.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, I'm looking at their real-time line combos for today's game, and it's definitely been Eichel, Evander Kane, Sam Reinhart, and Evan Rodriguez on the top unit, I'm assuming, yeah. also with Rasmus Uh Kind of strange that you're not seeing Ryan O'Reilly or Kyle Poso on that unit. Man, these Buffalo players, so disappointing. O'Reilly and Poso come on! I'm still holding on to O'Reilly. He has an assist actually today, but still uh, frustrating. Okay, cold a couple cold streaks that will end the show. Zetterberg kind of sucks now. He has only one assist in the last five games. I wonder. I know what, going into the season you were saying that Zetterberg is the one Detroit Red Wing forward that you would want to own, or or something like. You said he's the best one at this point. Like
1: that's no longer the case, right? I guess not. He sure doesn't seem that ownable right now. And the worst news is that you're not seeing a ton of room in his numbers for him to regress. In a good way. What we're seeing from Zetterberg may be about what we should expect to get the rest of the way. I mean, I still like him better than this 48-point pace, but that upside of 60 points looking pretty unlikely now.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at Detroit. like there, Maybe Zetterberg isn't worth owning, but I don't know which Red Wings are. like. Even the ones who were going on really good runs, like Dylan Larkin has gone cold. Anthony Manta has gone cold. Not a great time to be owning Red Wings. Mike Green was on such a great run at the start of the year. He's got like one goal in his last five games. Yeah, that's a shame. I guess that's to be expected with the Detroit Red Wings right now. Okay, last cold streak of the week, Brian. Michael Furland has really slowed down on Calgary. He has two points in his last seven games. Obviously, he was doing really well at one point, and he's on the top line and top power play. He's still on the top line and top power play with and Monahan, as far as I know. So it's an interesting question. like, Do you drop him now that he's cold, or do you consider him to be just as valuable as he was before, since he's in this great deployment?
1: Yeah, but how valuable was he? Was was he before? Like he was not worth adding until the run he'd been on a couple weeks back that caught our attention. So now Fairline is back there. He's back to being an unlikely contributor, despite an outstanding deployment situation. Maybe he's got a better shot than the other guys in a in a deeper free agent pool to to put in a point on any given night because of who he plays with and the 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 time he gets on the power play. But aside from that, no, there's nothing terribly exciting about him.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I disagree. I think playing with Goudreau and Monaghan is good. Like, I think those two are like, good enough to warrant wanting to have with. Like, I feel like we give so much credit to who's playing with Crosby, who's playing with McDavid. I feel like, oh, you know, Ben and Sagan, for example. Like, I think that playing with Goudreau and Monahan, that's one of the best lines to be on. And he's on the top power play, and he produced for a while. So even though he's on a cold streak, he's clearly shown that he can produce with them. So I would say to hold on, Calgary plays four times this week, so I wouldn't be dropping him now if I had him.
1: Well, I guess I'm not saying... Okay. Maybe I am saying drop him. I I'm just saying like what we saw in the last few weeks where he was super fantasy relevant. That's not the norm. This is the norm.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Like definitely. I'm not saying he's going to be like a 60 point pace guy moving forward, but I think he's worth holding on a busy week. And okay, Brian, with that, that's everything in our doc. You mentioned that you were going to talk about Evan Rodriguez at the end. Did you have any other players you wanted to bring up at the end of the show?
1: No, that was it. Okay. So then we're good. This has been fun.
0: Another Sunday night live show in the books thanks to everyone who joined us in the chat room you could join us by the way every week in the chat room keeping slash live we record every sunday at 8 p.m though i guess with the holidays coming up we are going to have a bit of a different schedule so we'll let you know on twitter and we'll let our patrons know in the facebook group what's going on with our holiday schedule but yeah thanks a lot for listening if you like the show we'd love to hear from you tweet us at keeping carlson let us know what you think also you could ask us your fancy hockey questions there we're happy to help if you are happy to help us we wouldn't mind a five-star review on iTunes that always helps raise the profile of the show. And it's like a free thing for you to do. If you wanted to throw us a couple bucks, if you wanted to buy us a beer once a month for one of us, throw us $5 a month as a patron. That would be amazing. And you get some really great perks back, including access to our bonus episodes, If you, at a certain level, you get access to our patron-only Facebook group where there's fantasy discussions happening all the time. Brian and I giving in-depth responses to fantasy questions. On Twitter, you know, I could be like a little like, oh, would you take this guy or this guy? I'll go this guy. But, you know, I'm not going to be able to write a whole essay for you, like on Facebook. Anyway, all that said... I think we can cue the outro music. And Brian, why don't you go ahead and read us the credits?
1: All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Hockey podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons, including our newest ones, Michael S. C. H. B. and Nick B. Welcome to the gang. Uh, this episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospect, Corsica, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, elite prospects roto world and fan tracks.
0: great job as always brian this was a ton of fun oh i didn't say one of my nicknames for you didn't in the last episode i called you something the maestro of the matchup yeah i was waiting for it this week what happened yeah, okay well here it is here's my one and then let me know if you like it and i can use it next week because i have a list of these names for you what do you think about you're the player projection pundit is that good yeah I could be that. Okay. Maybe maybe at the start of the next show. I got excited about yelling about Marc-Andre Fleury. Anyways, okay, the outro music is playing, so what am I doing not ending the show? Great job, as always. And we will catch you all for our mailbag show on Thursday, if you're a patron. And if not, we'll catch you on our next regular episode next Sunday.
1: Until then, keep on keeping Carl-san. And also, happy birthday, Dina, my wife.
0: She's turning. Well, I'm not going to say what she's turning, but her birthday's on Wednesday, so she's not even listening to this. I don't know why I'm saying this, but just wanted to throw it out there.
1: Bye!